Good morning. Why don't you stand with us this morning? Pastor Brad is going to speak to us today about maintaining the change. And a great way to do that is to realize that we have the power within us that Christ had at resurrection.
Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, he's the, his life goal was, he said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You know, the good news today is that same power is available to you and me. That same power that brought Christ out of that grave is available to you and me. That same power that overcame death and gave victory. Man, that's available to you and to me today. All right? Give him some praise this morning because we can walk in that power. We can walk in that victory. Man, just welcome. How many of you feel like you, you, you saved more than an hour or you lost more than an hour last night, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, just when we were getting this early church thing down, you know, this morning it was an hour early, kind of got us all cross-threaded a little bit, but we're glad you're here because we're here to meet the Lord today. And my prayer is that you experience the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ today. Wherever you need that in your life, whether it's salvation, forgiveness, healing, relational, financial, whatever it might be, that you meet, man, you just, you just have a head-on collision with that power in your life today. All right, let's praise Him this morning. How many of you want to put your past behind you today? Put our past behind us today as we move forward. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I said, I. 
Thank you, church. Thank you for not being a church stuck in walls. Thank you for being a church that cares about the lost. As Brad and I read those names, we remember our very first trip two years ago, knocking on doors um, that have no locks, just a hook sometimes to, to keep it closed. Well, houses that have nothing but plywood or tin walls for, for a house. And many of these ha- homes had no beds. But guys, there's a sweet spirit of Jesus in these homes. There's a sweet spirit of, of Jesus in Pamplona. And let me tell you, that water that day was cold. It was salty. There were cigarette buds floating by me. Oh, but it was so sweet. If I could be back there today, I would. If I could be there right now, I would. Thank you, church. You just grew. You just grew in numbers by by looking at that. You just grew in who you are by being a part of that. And that's just the beginning. We're just getting started. God, I thank you for those souls. Amen. We'll clap. God, I thank you for those souls that have given their life to you. I thank you for this ministry, Lord. I thank you for the privilege we have to preach your gospel. We are commanded by our Lord to go preach the gospel, to deliver the captives, and tell the sweet good news of Jesus. Amen.
you can be seated for just a moment. How many of you know that, that God is God, even when you can't see Him, even when you can't feel Him, even when you, when you don't know that He's there, He's there. You know, as we were watching the, the baptism in, in Pamplona, I was thinking about some of the names that are on our wall right here. And uh, the names of those that were baptized are on this wall. And, you know, there, there are some that are on this wall that has not, has not come to know Jesus yet. And there are others that may be written on your heart. May be written on your heart that's, that needs to come to know Jesus as their Savior. And so this morning, I, I want to take just a few minutes. And if there's somebody that's on your heart, if you would just call out their first name, just, just call it out. It, it, you know what? It's not informing God of something He doesn't already know, but it's just acknowledging that you know, that, that we're so weak, but, but there's nothing that he can't do. He's so strong. Brian. Anybody else? Sue. Lonnie. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Brett. Bonnie. Okay. Clyde. Keith. Shannon, Josh, Ray, okay. Ash and Debbie, Ash and Debbie, Brandy, anybody else, Rita, in a few minutes we're going to have a time of prayer and if at that time the, if the, if the, if the Spirit so moves you and you want to come, the, the chalk is there in the box. And you just want to write their name on the wall, that's fine. But we want to pray for those, the, the names that were called out this morning. We want to pray specifically that, man, that God would just draw them to Him. And that wherever they are and whatever they're doing, that, that the Holy Spirit of God would begin to move and to work in their lives. And you know, they may reject every attempt that, that you make to, to witness to them or to share the love of Christ with them. But you know, the, the one thing that every, every one of these names have in common, the one thing that they cannot reject is our prayer for them. And so we're going to pray for them this morning. And I, and I just wonder if, if, if the Holy Spirit is moving upon you this morning, if, if you want to pray for that person, anybody. If God is just stirring your heart to say, I want to, I want to, I want to pray for those lost people today. Anybody? Is God saying that to you this morning? Anybody in here that would say, I'll pray for them? Okay. Father, we just thank you this morning that we have a safe place to meet. And that our hearts are grieved over the, those that are lost and dying without you. So, Father, this morning you know the names of those people that are not only on this wall, but are in our hearts, Lord, who don't know you. We ask you that the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit would begin to stir. And these people would know, Lord, that 
they have had an encounter with you. Lord, I pray that our assignment today is just to lift them up to you, Father, that you might work in their midst, that they will have that Holy Ghost encounter, Lord, by just passing by someone, Lord, giving an encouraging word. Lord, I pray this morning that we will see the fruits and the answers to these prayers as you move on the lives of these that we love, Lord, these that we long to know you, to know the power of your resurrection. Lord, we just thank you this morning that we have a God who knows and sees and cares about everything that touches us. And Father, this morning, we just thank you for your precious son, Jesus, that we might have redemption, that we are not hopeless, Lord, and that we will not turn back, Lord. We will follow you. Whether anyone goes with us or not, Lord, we will seek your face for ourselves and for these that we love, Lord. For these, we have a vested interest, Lord. We just plead the blood of Jesus over them, Father, and we ask you to move not only on the hearts of these people, but on our nation, Father. We pray that the people in leadership, Lord, will begin to seek your face. Father, we pray that whatever adversity we face, Lord, it will turn us to you and we will run toward the altar of Jesus Christ that our nation, Lord, can once again be um, one nation under God, indivisible, Lord, that we would unite together, that we might see your mighty hand, a great revival, a great awakening, Lord. And we just thank you again for our church. We thank you for our pastors, Lord. We thank you for the people who come and go, Lord. We just praise your holy name, that we have a giving church, that we have a loving church, Lord. And we thank you for the baptism of these people in Pamplona, Lord, that you would just do a work in their lives, Lord, that they would know more about you than they've ever known, Lord, that they would know you better through these encounters, Lord. And thank you again, Lord, for those who gave and those who stayed. Father, you know all about it, and we just praise your holy name this morning because you are God. We worship you in your name.
Holy Spirit, saturate our souls today. Father God, we thank you and we love you for who you are. Father, for what you're doing. God, thank you that you come and saturate our souls, Lord, with fresh anointing, Lord, like you do uh, fresh rain on a parched ground. Now, God, I pray in Jesus' name today that you would begin to encourage us, strengthen us, equip us, challenge us, but most of all, help conform us to the image of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You say it's great to be here in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn with us to the book of Genesis chapter 47. We're going to continue our sermon series on I Need to Change. We've been on this for several weeks now. We looked at what it means understanding change. What does it look like to embrace the change? Then taking hold of the change. Then changing lanes last week. And then this morning, what does it mean to maintain the change? The back of your informational handout there, you can see that. Title, Maintaining the Change. Now, what I mean by maintaining the change is not that you get to greatness or to the place you were destined for and that you just say, all is well. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to be warm and I'm going to be filled and my soul will take ease in the place that God has brought you to. What I really mean is how do I maintain maintaining the change? The maintenance that we're looking for is a living a lifestyle of change. It was summarized in some of our leadership development that we did back in January and February. And it was, are you change adverse? Are you change friendly? Or are you change eager? Uh, if you're change adverse, you're probably not going to like this morning's message. That's a little footnote there, precursor. Hopefully it will stretch you and help you understand where God's taking us to. Where God's taking us individually, but then where he's taking us collectively as a family. Our whole passage of scriptures in our sermon series background passage was with the passage in Romans 7, 15. For what I do not, for what I do accomplish is not what I want to do, but I find myself doing the very things I do not want to do. And then our, our, our text, our, our whole sermon series has came out of the life of Jacob. This morning where we pick up, we have skipped a lot. Last week, God spoke to Jacob at Bethel, told his family, let's put away all those little gods, all those foreign gods, let's purge ourselves, purify ourselves, cleanse ourselves, get to the place that we were destined for. And they did that. Since last week, quite a bit of time has passed. And the scriptures between where we were last week, where we are today, deals a little bit with Jacob, but mostly with his children. Jacob was carrying on some of the broken parental patterns that his, his father had. You remember we looked several weeks ago at how Je uh, Isaac loved Esau. His mother loved Jacob. And we see that I mean, and that Jacob had some of the same tendencies. We see in this passage of Scripture, well, if you go back and read, that he loved Joseph. And all the other siblings hate the fact that he loved Joseph so much. And so they come up with a plan to get rid of Joseph. And Joseph had been gone for almost 20 years. Every day, jo Jacob was living in the land of the promise with a broken heart, not knowing about his son. 
Also, at this point in the passage of Scripture, he has another son who's being held in hostage, Benjamin, his youngest son, because it seems that he had committed a crime against Pharaoh. You can go and read the passages of Scripture in between these two, and you can find your, your starting place there. I don't, don't, don't pass over that. But I want us to pick back up and look at where Jacob is today. Genesis chapter 47 and verse 1. So Joseph went and informed and informed Pharaoh, my father, my brothers, with their sheep and their cattle, and all they have, have come from the land of Canaan, and they are now in the land of Goshen. In your Bible, underscore a couple of things. Canaan, well, that was the place we had been trying to get Jacob to. We've spent, we've spent a month trying to get him to Canaan. The place that he was destined for. The place of greatness. The thing that he was born for. We've tried to get him there. Now we finally get him there and we see that God's moving him in a different direction. An interesting side note there is that the place God has for you to be today may not be the place that God has for you to be tomorrow. Matter of fact, there are, our churches are filled, our cities are filled with churches that used to be great, mighty, powerful families and tools for the kingdom of God. But all they have is the memories of yesteryears. Matter of fact, there's a few people left in them. I like to call them marbles in a matchbox. They're just rolling around like a couple of marbles in a big matchbox. So, the building is so empty. Used to be thousands of people gather there. But today there's 25, 30, 50 stalwarts who says, Bless God, he brought me here 35 years ago. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving and I'm not letting anything else leave. I'm not letting anything else change. And they lock in. And they pride themselves on being stern and being rigid and not being uh, changing people. And as a result, they're in the place God brought them 35 years ago. But today, there's not a lot happening. Now, here's what I want you to understand. The place that God has brought you in the past may not be the place that God has for you today. Matter of fact, a lot of that happens when the vision perishes. The Bible says without a vision, people perish. Without vision, people cast off restraint. And they begin to wander around looking for something to sell out to. We are looking for something to buy into. And in this passage of Scripture, we see that God was bringing Jacob to the Canaan land. But now all of a sudden, he's moving him from Canaan to the land of Goshen. Now, interesting about Goshen was that it was the best place in all of Egypt. And then look in verse 47 and verse 2. And he took five brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. The first thing I want you to realize is that God gave them access. God gave them access. Now you know what it means to have access because every one of you has tried to accomplish something in your life, but you couldn't accomplish it because you didn't know somebody who knew somebody to help you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish. 
that somewhere along the way you managed to speak to enough people and you talked to somebody who knew somebody who got you a visit or an appointment with a person that you really needed to see to help get you where you really wanted to go. Are you with me? And so we don't leave any stones unturned till we find somebody who can get us to the place where we need to be to see the person we need to see. Without access, many of us cannot get where you're going. And so when we think about this, here's where these, these this, this strangers, these pilgrims, these foreigners in a distant land meanders their way into the land of Egypt, leaving the land of promise behind them, and they find Pharaoh, and look at what it says, they were presented to him. God gave them access. Now, the problem with this story is that sometimes we don't like the way God does things. Amen. And heavy on the word we. Amen. I'm not going to stand up here and be superficial or super spiritual. Sometimes the way God does things, I'm not really crazy about. He could do them where they affected me a whole lot less. He could do them, he could accomplish his will where it didn't make me feel quite so uncomfortable. Where it would make my life easier. But God's not interested in making our life easy. God's interested in making our life great. God's interested in making you fulfill what he destined you for. And God did not destine you to be a loser. God did not destine you to live a life of mediocrity. God destined you to live a life of complete fulfillment in him. For you were predestined for hell, absolutely not. You were predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. And in this whole concept, here's what we begin to understand. That we were destined to have the power and the presence of our supernatural God living inside of us and living through us. And in this passage of scripture, to do that, you, a lot of times you have to have access. And so here's the children of Israel. They're going through this whole process, and God gives them access to the most powerful man in the land. Then Pharaoh asked Joseph's brothers, he said, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, well, your servants, we're both, we and our fathers, we're shepherds. Go a little bit further. And then they said to Pharaoh, we have come to live in the land for a while. Circle that in your Bible for a while because there is no grazing in the land for your servants since the servant sheep, since the famine in the land of Canaan has been severe. So now please let your servants settle in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph that your father and your brothers have come to you. Verse 6, the land of Egypt is open before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part. Circle that in your Bible, the best part of the land. And then they can live in the land of Goshen. If you know any of the men who are capable among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Joseph then brought his father and Jacob and presented him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many years have you lived? And he goes on, Jacob says to Pharaoh, my pilgrimage has lasted 130 years. My years have been few, and they have been hard, and they have not surpassed the years of my fathers during their pilgrimages. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh, and they departed from Pharaoh's presence. And then Joseph settled his father and his brothers in the land of Egypt, and he gave them property. He gave them, circle that in your Bible, he gave them property in the best part of the land. 
Now, here's a couple of things that I want you to understand from this passage of Scripture this morning. That we have to maintain the change. Now, listen, Jacob finally made it back to the promised land. Now, Jacob could have taken the mentality that I've made it to the promised land. I'm going to stay here. This is where God wants me. This is where God destined me for. And you know what would have happened? He would have died with the promise, in the promise, or on the promise. God's promises are always moving. Remember, we serve a God who never changes. But we serve a God who is always working and perfecting about the work in the body that he is trying to fulfill through our lives. And what God is trying to do in our lives is greater than we can ever know. And sometimes God has to move us to places that we are not really crazy about going so that he may accomplish the will in which he is set out to accomplish. And we begin to think about this. What we see here is that God gave Jacob, God gave the children of Israel access to a most powerful man in the region. And then something else happened in this passage of Scripture. We say that we see that he granted them deliverance. Look at verse 5, if you will. Go back and look at that in, in your Bible. And I want you to underscore a couple of things. God granted them the access. God granted them the great deliverance. In verse 5, it says that Pharaoh said to them, Now your fathers and your brothers have come here. Let them settle in the land of Egypt. He gave them this. He granted them deliverance. He could have told them, no, no, now you know a famine's coming. And you know we're not even going to have enough for our own people. Why don't you take your little Israelite friends and family and go on back to the land that God gave you. But that's not what happened. Why? Because when God guides, the little cliche says he what? provides and if God is moving then God is opening doors for us to walk through God is touching God is ruling God is reigning reigning in our hearts and lives the only thing that God needs from us is to be willing to say Lord here I am I give you myself I'm your servant I'm reporting for duty and when you do that God will begin to open doors that no man can open and shut doors that no man can shut that's where we need to be We need to be living in the place of provision. We need to be living in the place of deliverance. We need to be living in the place of access. Now, the most important thing that we can remember today that Jacob didn't understand, they were looking to the promise of the cross of Calvary. They were looking to the promise of the Messiah. We are looking to it being fulfilled. They were looking to Jesus coming. We're looking to Jesus already have come. We're looking to the fact that the cross of Calvary has already been accomplished, the finished work of Calvary, the death, burial, and resurrection has already been completed. Therefore, you and I have access through the power, the presence, and the holiness of God Almighty through Jesus Christ. For we know that that in that passage of Scripture, we know that God was just, man was unjust, but Jesus became the justifier. That all who come to the justifier might be justified. And if we being justified, then God no longer sees us for who we are, the broken, damaged product that we really are, but he sees us as complete. He sees us as whole. He sees us as saved. He sees us as sanctified. He sees us as sealed by his spirit. Now that's good stuff this morning, church. God gave deliverance to Israel. God has given deliverance to you. He gave them deliverance, but then he gave them provisions. 
Now, he didn't tell Joseph, I'm doing you a favor, son. Now, you take your little family. I'll let them stay here in the land where they can be with you. But now, put them over in the corner. Put them over in the rock pile and let them begin to make make bricks and do all of these things. Make them begin to do things that they weren't accustomed to doing. No, that's not what it says. Look with with me, if you would, in your Bible. It says that he made them. He asked them a question. He asked them, are there any among you who are capable men? If they are capable men, then you put them in charge of my herds, my flocks, my livelihood. He didn't say, oh, you you boys are shepherds, good. I need somebody to shear the sheep. I need somebody to live on the prairie. He didn't say, I need somebody to, to continue to do the hard, grueling work of being a shepherd. No. If you know Joseph, then I want you to be in charge of everything I have. All those other Egyptian shepherds, you strangers, be in charge of my own people. He thrusts them into a position of leadership. When you are willing to obey the voice of God, God, when you are willing to drill down deep into your heart, deep into your life, and let go of your precious family heirlooms and give them over to a holy God, he will then begin to take you wider. He will take you wider. He will take you further than you could ever go. He will expand your territory. He will enlarge your... Now, this isn't some easy believism that says, if you just name it, you can claim it. No, sir, this is obedience. This is lordship. This isn't some name it and it'll all come about and be fulfilled. This is talking about walking, living, breathing, dying to yourself, taking up your cross so you may follow him, the king of kings and the lord of lords. It's lordship 101. And if you can grab hold to the lordship of Jesus Christ, the Prince of glory, I will tell you something. God will begin to work a work and no man can work. God will work a work in your life that man cannot understand. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the thoughts of your neighbors, your wife, your kids, or yourself what God has in store for you. They'll be trying to say, what in the, what infomercial has my neighbor been watching now that he's become so successful? He'll say, I've surrendered it all to the king of glory. God brought them provisions. When you're in the land of the promise, (laughs) the land of the promise, you don't have to sweat the provisions because he has never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed left begging for bread. He brought them the provisions. He brought them deliverance. He brought them access. Now, it wasn't where Joseph wanted to be. It wasn't where Jacob wanted to be. But it was where God destined them to be. Now, let me tell you today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that what God is doing in our life today, we may not understand. But if you knew what God knew, you would embrace it with your arms stretched out open wide because God knows the plans that he has for us to give us a hope and a future. And that, my brothers and sisters, that promise that everybody wants to memorize, that scripture that everybody wants to write on their mirror and read that every day before they hit the road, was given in the middle of bondage, in the middle of 70 years, living under another dictator, 
living under another ruler in a foreign land. While they were in bondage, while they were slaves, while they were in a foreign land, God said, I know the plans that I have for you. God knows the plans that he has for you. God knows the plans that he has for me. But sometimes when God begins to work those plans, I don't like it. And if you'd be honest, you don't either. Matter of fact, 20 years earlier, Jacob didn't like it. He didn't like it when those shepherd boys came back from the field and they had that coat of many colors and they had it ripped in shreds and had dipped it in the blood of a little goat and they said, your son has been murdered and by eaten alive by a vicious animal knowing that they had shipped that dude off. Sold him to a band of Ishmaelites who had then been sold to Egypt. Now what we didn't understand was that one day God gave Joseph a word. And he said, Daddy, I don't really understand this. But one day, I believe God said that I saw 12 sheaves coming and bowing down before me. And I saw the sun and the moon bowing down before me. And, jo and Jacob said, Boy, are you telling me that your mama and your daddy is going to bow down and worship you? And Jacob said, I'm just telling you what I saw, what I heard. And, and the Bible says that Jacob rebuked Joseph, but he meditated and he pondered and he kept those matters at heart. And he didn't understand what happened. He had sleepless nights, a broken heart that his boy was snatched away from him. But I am telling you today, what Jacob didn't understand was that those old boys, those knuckle-headed eleven boys, thought they were up to something by stripping Joseph away from the family. But what they really didn't understand was God was sending Joseph ahead of them as a royal ambassador for the nation of Israel that they might not starve to death in the promised land now, I don't like that Jacob didn't like it but I am telling you that when the will of God began to be fulfilled 20 years later and yes 20 years I don't like that I don't like the fact that God's time is not my time we're fretting over the hour of sleep we lost last night. I mean, that, that one day is like a thousand years to God, and a thousand years is like one day. And so, man, I get to thinking, now, Lord, I'm, I'm 40 years old. i got to get on with whatever I'm going to do. God's like, well, that's just a couple of sands in my hourglass. God sent Joseph ahead to bring the whole nation of Israel to keep them from dying in the promised land. Now, I'm going to tell you today, how do you maintain a life of change? Be willing to leave everything on the altar. Lest it get up and run off. I beseech you, therefore, my brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living sacrifice. You know the difference between putting a living sacrifice on the altar and a dead one? The dead one can't do anything but lay there. The live one, if you do not bind it, it will get up and run off the altar. Present yourself a living sacrifice. We don't have to die because Jesus already died for us. We don't have to be overcome with death because death has been overcome by Jesus Christ, the King of glory. I'll tell you today, my brothers today, my sisters today, what I want you to realize is that God has given us access through His Son, Jesus. God has given us deliverance through His Son, Jesus. God has given us provision through His Son, Jesus. You remember the disciples were 
in an uproar. Oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? I, Jesus, you can't go away, Lord. You can't go away. And Jesus said, if I don't go away, you'll never receive the Holy Spirit. Listen, I am God in the flesh right here. But God in the Spirit wants to come. And wherever you go, when you're on top of the mountain, the Spirit of God will be shut up inside of your bones and be there with you. When you walk down through the valley of despair, the Spirit of God will be right there with you. And if I don't go away, the Holy Ghost of God can never come and rule and reign in your heart and in your life. He gave them provisions. What then shall we say? What shall separate us from the love of God? What shall separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing. No power, no principality, no rulers, nothing in our past, nothing in our present, nothing in our future, nothing created will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Maintaining change means leaving it on the altar. While everybody else was dying, Jacob was living. While everybody else was moving into bondage, moving into slavery, Jacob was living. Look at what the Bible says right here in closing. In verse 12. Let's read verse 11. Then Joseph settled his fathers and brothers in the land of Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land. And Joseph provided his fathers and his brothers and all of his family's household with food for all of their dependents. But there was no food in verse 13 in that entire region, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan. And they were exhausted by the famine. And Joseph collected all the money to be found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for grain that they were purchasing. And he brought the money to Pharaoh's house, and then he gave them grain for their money. Egypt and Canaan. Now here's what's interesting about Jacob. Jacob understood change. Because he could have hunkered down in Canaan. said, I'm not leaving. I can wait this out. He, matter of fact, he didn't even really wait for times to get hard. He began to move when the opportunity approached. He didn't miss it. He didn't miss that opportunity. When God opened the door, he walked through it. And because he walked through it, he was anointed. In a foreign country. Under a pagan king. By the power. Of a holy God. Can I tell you something else? Everybody else was giving all their money for bread. And there was bread in Jacob's house. And he had his money. The next year. They didn't have any money. And they came to Joseph. And they said we've given you all our money. Take our livestock. Take our livestock lest we die. So Jacob said, okay, I'll take your livestock. So he took their livestock and in turn put all the livestock in Pharaoh's fields and put Jacob and his boys in charge of them. And then in turn, they gave them bread for life. Gave them grain. 
And then the next year, they lived one more year. See, Jacob could have been doing this in the land of Canaan. But he didn't wait for the storm to move him. He moved when God opened the door. See, you, you can either move easily or you can do it the hard way. Because God's not going to give up on you. God knows where he wants you. And God will, God works the night shift. And you just think you lost sleep last night. Try running from God. See how much sleep you lose. Just get where God wants you to be. Because he went where God was guiding when the door was open. Now, when everybody else was giving all their livelihood over, he was in charge of all their livelihood. Because he was willing to maintain a life of change. And then the next year, they came and said, we don't have any money. We don't have any animals. All we have is our land. But what good is our land? We don't have any animals to graze on it. Or we do not have any seed to sow on it. Take our land and our bodies lest we die. So Jacob said, okay, give me all your land. And everybody signed their soul over to Pharaoh. Now I could chase a rabbit right here, but I'm going to move on. They signed over their soul to Pharaoh. But the Bible says that Joseph took the people and he scattered them across the land of Egypt. Just, they didn't get to stay on their land just because they gave it. Joseph placed them where Pharaoh needed them to be. He gave them grain and said, now here's grain for you to eat. Here's seed for you to sow. When you reap your harvest in the fall, bring us a fifth of your harvest. You keep the rest and live on. They were having to give over everything they were working for. But you know what happened to Jacob? He didn't ever have to go anywhere. He was living in the land of Goshen. The best land in all of Egypt. And the Lord added to his livelihood. The Lord added to his bottom line. And the Lord added to his family. Because he was willing to go when God said go. He was willing to follow where God was leading. Today. While everybody was selling their souls. Jacob was thriving in a foreign land. And he may have been thriving in a foreign land, but he never kept his eye off the land God had promised him. What did he tell Pharaoh? I'm just here for a little while. I'm just a pilgrim. My journey, my pilgrimage has not been as long as my father and my father's father. And right when Jacob began to be old and very weak, he called Joseph to his room. He said, boy, if I found favor in your sight, and you make me a promise, that you bury me here with these bunch of Egyptians, you take me home, you plant me in the land of promise, even when I'm dead, you still make the change. You still make the change. When there's no more life in my body, I'm not through changing. You bring me back to the land of promise. 
That's how you leave a legacy of change. Today, God's speaking to somebody about how you maintain a life of change. God's putting his finger on some things. I, church, this has been a difficult sermon series. I mean, just because we preach it don't mean we ha- don't have to live it. And, I mean, you've been filling out your cards. I, I've been going through the same process. But I am telling you that if I am willing to put it all on the altar, God will let it live. Abraham laid Jacob's daddy on the altar. He said, Lord, if you want him, I know you'll raise him up because you've already promised me. That the seed will flourish through this boy. He put him on that altar and he withdrew the sword. And the angel of the Lord grabbed his hand and said, don't you touch that boy. And he looked and there was a ram caught in a thicket. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Sometimes he does it in ways we don't understand. Through people we do not know. But God will accomplish, will perfect that which he has set out in your heart and in your life if you will throw your hands up in the air and say, Lord, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. With your head bowed this morning. Maybe you're here today and you don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. This is the starting point. This is the place where you give it all to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the place where you embrace the change. God has granted you access. He's granted you deliverance. He's granted you provision. He's given you life. Will you accept it? Will you accept it? I don't know what he's speaking to your heart. Maybe you need to give your heart to him today for the first time. Maybe you just need to throw your hands up and say, Lord, I need to invite you into my life as my Savior. What, what's holding you back? Is it relationships? Is it friends? Is it your job? What is it that is holding you back? Give it all to Jesus. Father God, I pray for our family today. That God, you will move, you will shape, you will transform us into what you would have us to be. Set us free in this invitation today. I come against every spiritual force that tries to delay stall and make fearful your children today that there are people would be set free in jesus name amen as you stand to your feet once you come today there'll be people here to pray with you whatever the lord is speaking to your heart once you come you come. Our altars are open. Ask the Lord to guide you, whatever it is today. How about you, sir? Ma'am, how about you? Would you surrender it all? Would you give it to him? Is God speaking to your heart about a change? Maybe you're like Jacob. 120 something years old 
or you feel like you are, God's speaking to your heart. He's putting his finger on something today. He's moving you out. Won't you come?
that you can maintain a life of change is to surrender it all. That's exactly what Jacob did. Just, just surrendered himself to God's plan for him. And this morning as uh, we continue to play quietly, you can see the offering receptacles are here. You can worship the Lord by coming and bringing your offering if you're not know comfortable with that that, that's okay there's a couple be a couple guys standing at the door you can do that on the way out but if if you're a guest here if if this is your first time here would would you do us the honor of giving us an offering of of information you can find it in the handout just fill out the things that apply and you can drop it in these receptacles drop it in the offering plate Uh, give it to me pastor brad pastor matt uh, connect with one of us in the lobby afterwards and and just do that. So uh, we would encourage you to, to just give us uh, that honor. Uh, I'm going to ask if you would to be seated for just a moment. We have a couple of things we 